0: Okay, welcome to episode 91 of the United Pubcast and the sort of latest instalment in a couple of episodes that we've been doing. A few weeks ago, we had a look at the David Moyes era and then about two podcasts ago, we did the Louis Van Gaal era. So it's only fair to continue in that vein of form and now the Jose Mourinho era and where did it go wrong? Well, for some people, where did it go right? We'll obviously debate that. But um, first of all, Larry... um, still counting the days until premier league football
1: returns oh tom i'm like i try to be a little bit more reserved when we do our podcast keep things professional but i got to say i'm like semi at the moment i'm i'm getting excited it's almost as good as i felt when martial scored that filthy goal again who was that again was that against norwich Oh, you test
0: my memory there i know it was at old Trafford. i watford whatever was, i think it was watford weren't i think water. it was watford
1: whoever it was against How I felt in the in my pants. That's how I feel thinking about football coming back. Bring it on.
0: Well, we'll definitely get into that in the next podcast next Monday, where I think we'll try our best to have a guest on. We'll let our viewers know, but we might as well get into it. And I enjoyed the Louis Van Gaal one very much in terms of talking about the ups and downs of his time at United. And Mourinho was certainly no stranger to ups and downs. There was plenty of them. But we'll just well before we get into his time at United, obviously. He was a huge name in world football and when you cast your mind back to how far ago it was you remember him on the touchline for porto against man united and then obviously sort of really made his name sort of in the english game at chelsea and that was you look at 2004 2005 type thing that is a while ago that's 15 years ago so he's been around a while and he's always been i wouldn't say linked with united job but he's always been relevant to united because he sort of didn't knock Fergie off his perch etc but he was definitely a key figure in. he sort of overtook Arsene Wenger and became Stralix's biggest rival so he'd always had that connection with United then there was that time when Ferguson was retiring Um, it looked like David we obviously did appoint David Moyes but I think the club or Jose Mourinho definitely himself wanted the job so there was that whole Real Madrid knocking Man United out. Everyone assumed Jose Mourinho potentially the next manager or the right manager to take over from Ferguson, but that obviously didn't happen. And he went off to... He obviously came back to England with Chelsea and did well, but then it, it almost sort of... all came sort of crumbling down for, it, for him and the club. So just your general thoughts of Jose Mourinho before Man United, just as his time at Porto, Chelsea, Real Madrid, etc. What did you think of the manager and almost more
1: importantly, the man? Yeah, Jose Mourinho is a very unique character in the game. And something that I feel like is dying, not just in football, but in sport in general, is having those genuine characters. Um, But Jose was that. Um, He was an enigma. He... Very characteristic. You know how you have those players that the opposition uh, in the in the opposition where you're like, I don't really like that player. It's what Roy Keane was to us. Jose Mourinho almost became the manager version of the player that we all love to hate. in um, saying that, very successful and a very unique character. His philosophy on football. Um, you know, he believes. You know, if, if anyone's read his book, he's a believer in you know, you actually control the game when you don't have the ball. So I thought that that was very interesting. He, he almost broke the mould for Portuguese managers as well to really get an opportunity. Um, look, he was a manager I always wanted post-Fergie. Um, and I think if you told any United fan who would be the perfect replacement when Ferguson retired, it would have been Mourinho. So I was definitely excited when I saw that we were getting him in, no doubt.
0: Well, we could always look back and think, well, he might have done better if he came in at this stage rather than this stage, etc. But if we look at it, just the situation he found himself in when Louis Van Gaal was sacked, what do you think your expect? If you can cast your mind back, what were your expectations? Because we always sort of look back with a sort of a in hindsight, but we've been in a mess for so long, so we do have to remember the mess Louis Van Gaal, well, perceived mess Louis Van Gaal left us in. What were your expectations when Mourinho came in?
1: It's a hard one because you always have an expectation of a manager Whether the playing squad is good or not, fairly or unfairly For me, I always thought two to three years in I thought by by the third year, to be more specific We would be at the very least challenging for the title uh, I think we've all built up this idea in our heads That Jose on the third year achieves the ultimate success Or in the second year um, but you know, looking at our playing squad, you thought you'd give that second year a little bit of a little bit of buffer. Um, so I mean, I don't know about you, but yeah, I always thought the third year, looking at the nature of our squad, that's when we'd peak.
0: Yeah, it's hard. Well, w- when he came in, it was all he came. We'll get into the Pep Guardiola versus Jose Mourinho debate in a little bit. But did you expect when he came in that it was going to be three years, like just the usual Jose Mourinho three year period, or did you think? new manager, new club, this is the biggest club in the world, this is something different for him, it's going to be a new Jose Mourinho. Because I thought that, and I think looking back, that's probably just the fan in you. You wanted to sort of have positive thoughts. You wanted to think this could be something different and he could build something. We're obviously very wrong, and um, sort of it proved to be textbook Jose Mourinho. But did you think that it might be something different?
1: Yeah, look, I would have loved to have seen a different Jose. I think what to what you said is the perfect point. As a fan, you almost have fairy tales in your head. You you always imagine the perfect scenario so of course why wouldn't we want to assume that Jose had learned from his mistakes you know it's like the kid on when a child touches the stove he learns not to touch the stove again so there was a bit of that hope that you know Jose tends to lose quote-unquote lose the dressing room by the third year I was always hopeful that hopefully he's learned from his mistakes but you know we'll get into it but uh yeah unfortunately I don't think we did get a different Jose.
0: Yeah, well, he definitely didn't learn his lesson. But we'll go into the transfer business when he first arrived. And I think that is one of the strengths or something that get, got most fans the most excited. Is that because we obviously did find ourselves in the Europa League. So could we attract players? Could we not attract players? And that um, myth was often, well, straight away put to bed. Because if you look at the four players we signed, obviously his first signing was Eric Baye. Um, but then obviously the big names in Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Henrik Mkhitaryan, and obviously um, the world record at the time, Paul Pogba. mind back. how exciting was those first four signings going into that first game of the season?
1: Oh, it's very exciting, particularly when you saw the signing of Pogba. For me, and again, this comes back to my original point, when we signed Jose, I thought three years, but then I saw Zlatan come in, I saw Pogba come in, and straight away, I think I almost... Maybe this was my, myself, so I'm keen to see what you thought. But the, in my head, Rooney, I always thought if you put a good striker around him, maybe we'll see the best of him again. But the truth is he was declining. Um, but the idea of a Rooney, Pog, uh, a Rooney's Latan partnership with Pogba in behind uh, and perhaps the speculation and the, what's the... I'm looking for the right word. Maybe the, the build-up around Pogba made us believe he was a better player than what we thought he was. Um, with those things combined, you just thought, okay, we're going to challenge for the title. Jose himself came out and said, uh, I think it was prior to the first game in that press conference, he said, we all know United are going to be challenging for the title. So, yeah, my expectations were starting to drift towards could we win the premiership?
0: Well, if you look at the Paul, just the Paul Pogba transfer, obviously we know how it played out with Jose Mourinho and how it ended. But looking back... Jose, Paul Pogba, for me, is the perfect Jose Mourinho player. You can forget about the personality, but in terms of his attributes on the pitch, I thought it was a perfect signing for Mourinho, exactly the type of midfielder he wants. But we don't know. Probably more information has come out recently that it wasn't a Jose Mourinho signing, but at the time, I definitely thought it was. I thought it was Mourinho who attracted Pogba. But um, do you, Sort of with all the information we have now, do you think that was a Ed Woodward signing or a Mourinho signing? Because obviously this is Mourinho... Before he's fallen out with Pogba. Well, obviously he, when he first arrived, he probably
1: sort of on friendly terms and very
0: polite to each other.
1: It's definitely a Manchester United signing, and by that I mean it was Wood- Woodward had definitely been working on this. I mean it's it's common knowledge now that this deal took. Two years to get done. Uh, and obviously, Jose just would have given the final thumbs up. But I think if he said no, it was going to happen regardless. This isn't uh, Mourinho... Uh, sorry, this wasn't Louis Vangel and Tony Cruz. Uh, Paul Pogba was always going to come in just based on his marketing ability alone. Um, look, I think Mourinho looked at Pogba at the time and said, this would be my kind of signing. I mean, he ticks all the boxes. Six foot three, physical, um, great passing range, ability to shoot... So, on paper, you thought it was a happy marriage? Yeah, definitely not. It was a quite a messy divorce in the end. But we'll
0: get on to the actual football. And it started well, because I remember that Community Shield win. Obviously, obviously against Leicester, Leicester were the ones who won the title the season before. But Ibrahimovic scoring a late winner. Jesse Lingard doing what he does at Wembley. But then I remember the first three wins. We won away at Bournemouth. I think Pogba made his debut in the second game at South uh, at home to Southampton. And then we had a late winner. Marcus Rashford um, scored. I think it was a Wade Hull, and it was just bang, bang, bang off the top, top of the table. Three wins from three. All the new players doing well. Eric Bay looked fantastic. Mkhitaryan was a bit of a slow starter, but um, Pogba and Ibrahimovic definitely um, took straight to it, and you could definitely see their combination play starting to um, sort of come to life. But it did come crashing not 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 crashing down, but in the first chapter of the Pep Guardiola versus Mourinho. Saga. That was, I believe, Mourinho's first loss um, as United manager was that Manchester derby um, at Old Trafford and obviously Pep's first derby as well. I think they beat us 2-1 from memory. De Bruyne scored and maybe someone else. Maybe Ibrahimovic scored for us, but we obviously lost 2-1. And we'll just get into the Pep v Jose debate a little bit, because they both arrived at the same time. Um, and It was this whole Manchester City v Man United Man v Pep v, v, Jose, Jose, v. Jose etc. etc. But... but I cast my I mind back, my and we, take we always sides. take sides. Because when Jose Mourinho's holding up the Man United scarf and Pep's holding up the City scarf, I say, like, "Oh yeah, I always wanted Mourinho. That's the one I wanted. Deep down, if I had a choice, it will be Pep Guardiola for me. Um, cast your mind back to, before both were announced, who would you have taken, Pep or Jose?
1: Oh, look, that's a hard one. Uh, I think in my head I actually did want Jose. Um, it's probably because of that... Idea of he was the perfect replacement uh, post Fergie, and that who was the first choice at that point in time. And um, so I think, and perhaps also it plays in my psyche that Pep had already agreed to go to City. Uh, that may have influenced the way I'm thinking about this deal. But when you look at the style of football Pep plays, it's easy to say, yeah, that is the manager you prefer. But look, neither of them promote youth, to be honest. And um, so there's no perfect solution out of the two. If you're focusing on Manchester United ethos, you'd have to say Pep in hindsight, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. Now, moving on with Mourinho
0: and someone that is never far from Mourinho is obviously Chelsea and maybe the low light... Well, actually doesn't probably feel like a low light but in terms of when you look at it on paper it probably is his return to Stanford Bridge was a 4-0 loss and I remember I've, from memory we conceded in the first 15-20 seconds I think Pedro scored for uh, for Chelsea sorry I think it was a Chris Smallwood mistake but I remember Antonio Conte was very sort of animated as he usually is on the touchline Mourinho didn't take kindly to it tried to have words at the end and I think that's when the sort of relationship with the Chelsea fans started to sour just your thoughts on that in terms of Mourinho's for going back to Chelsea and sort of being sort of undone and sort of not showing his true colours. But um, that's when it first started the turn where it was a little bit more about Jose Mourinho than it was about Man United.
1: Yeah, I think the problem with Jose, and we can refer to Chelsea and Real Madrid in this as well, is when things start to unravel, he tends to start blaming the star player in the team. Uh, we saw with Chelsea, he started picking on Eden Hazard, and he had the controversy with the physiotherapist at the time. Uh, at Madrid, he started picking on Ronaldo, he and uh, and Casillas as well, which was obviously a large uh, a, a large leadership figure in that Madrid squad at the time. When you look at the way things unraveled at those two clubs in those situations, it seems he doesn't seem to handle he doesn't seem to handle adversity very well. I know he likes to bring out this siege mentality but within the camp that's when there's a belief that they are going to succeed uh the issue with what happened at Chelsea and you know obviously we did see it at United is once things start to unravel and as soon as results aren't going the way he wants he doesn't seem to be able to pull a group together and I think we're going to see that at Tottenham to be honest but anyway that's that's for future yeah, well,
0: fingers crossed that is for the next week's podcast where we preview the Tottenham game and hopefully be reviewing a win in a few days' time. But from that from that sort of negative, the 4-0 loss at Chelsea to another to a positive, sorry. Um, also in London was the League Cup final, one of the few um, positives under Jose Mourinho for me. I remember cruising. It was 2-0 up, cruising at halftime. Oh, actually, I think Southampton scored right on half time to make it 2-1. But they brought it back to 2-2 and like any football match if you're 2-0 up and a team brings it back to 2-2 there's only ever one winner but I don't know how but United pulled something out of the hat and I remember it was a, one of the most beautiful goals not in terms of you know, it was a fantastic volley into the top corner but just sort of in front of the away fans at Wembley and step, um sort of stood up that floated cross to the back stick for Ibrahimovic and something about the commentary and just Ibrahimovic's technique on the header I thought it was really one of the highlights under Jose Mourinho even though it was just a League Cup, I thought it, was, it felt a lot bigger for me.
1: Yeah, it was fantastic. And Jose serial for winning the League Cup. I think he likes to embed that, you know, that winning mentality in his team. And in his opinion, um, you know, the League Cup is almost a bouncing board to the League. Obviously, it didn't pan out for us that season. But you could almost argue it did because obviously we'll get to the Europa League. But um, look, I agree with you. I think it was a fantastic uh, game and win and... Who doesn't like, who doesn't like a little bit of drama? It had a similar vibe to the City Derby um, in Fergie's last year. In fact, at the Etihad, Um, but yeah, um, Zlatan was unreal that day. Scored a hat trick. Um, Look, great game, and look, at the end of the day, it it was part of. It gave Jose just two of the three fingers that he held up in the Europa League final.
0: Yeah, well, I'm just going to pick you up there for our friend Jesse Lingard, who was just um, said, Excuse me, Larry, I did score at Wembley that day as well.
1: Oh, Jesus, he did too, didn't he? Yep, I apologise. Yep, yeah, yeah, sorry, ap- Jesse. Apologies, Jesse.
0: But um, yeah, I- I'm almost on Mourinho's side with this. I think if you take the League Cup serious, it's almost a free trophy, or it's at least a free trip to Wembley, because a lot of clubs don't take it serious now. And I'm-, I'm with Mourinho on that. I think if you can go and win a trophy, it's a trophy in the bag. I, I think, okay, it's only the League Cup, but. It's a League Cup more than someone else's one. So well, that's one thing I did like about Mourinho, His sort of insistence on going for that trophy. Um, obviously, it panned out well in that first season, not in future ones. But you just mentioned there in terms of sort you of ended up concentrating on the Europa League. And we'll get into the Europa League final after this. But just your thoughts on coming into that period, sort of, sort of maybe around the end of the League Cup final, sort of March-April time, where we're starting to look at the Europa League, we're starting to see which teams are left, we're starting to look at our league position, can and can we make the top four? Just your thoughts on obviously it proved to be the right decision, but you're thinking at the time was it the right decision to throw away the league and start sort of, I remember we handed out debuts to like Scott McTominay and players like that. Was it the right decision for you at the time to throw away the league and concentrate on the Europa League?
1: Oh, look, it's very easy to make a call in hindsight. I think the end result shows it was the right call, but we obviously did see our results dip off. And I think for Jose, he probably looked at our fixture list, look at the players. And to be honest, like, I don't really buy into this whole thing of, you know, you can't maintain the league when you're in the Europa League. At the end of the day, it's one day's difference compared to the Champions League. And I don't know what statistics and other teams form has shown prior but for me it's it's the same thing it just depends how do you balance your squad but if you're looking at the strength of our team at the time and of course like I said uh, as a prerequisite at the start coming into the season you thought we have a strong side but then it was clear Rooney was you know obviously on the wane um pun not intended and Overall the squad was quite weak So I think from Jose's point of view He obviously looked at the Europa League fixture list And while it did get a bit hairy Particularly in the semi-final You'd have to say the run-in was quite straightforward So I think he made the right call there in the end
0: That's what I was just going to mention there And we sort of caveat this with saying Of course it was the correct decision We're not going to win the Europa League Which is exactly right However you do mention that semi-final And we were a pubic air away from going out and that, the last second of that semi-final that um, Celta Vigo striker had a tap in open goal and just air-swinged the ball and um, air-swinged his strike so um, no idea how he missed that but I remember when that flashed across the goal because there was a whole debate at the time is this the right decision, is is it not? And could you imagine the reaction what would have happened in terms of if we didn't win if we didn't go on to win the Europa League and have a second season in the Europa League under Jose Mourinho what would have happened in that second season because we go into the second season and he has what he mentions, which we'll get into. He's one of his greatest ever achievements. I'm just thinking, I I don't think this would have happened, but can you sort of envisage the situation back then? If we don't win the Europa League final and we face a second season in the Europa League, is there a chance that Mourinho would have got the sack?
1: I don't think so. I think... Edward would put a lot into securing Jose. So I think even if we didn't, you know, finish in the Europa League or finish winning the final, I should say, I still think he would have stuck with him, um, much like we saw at the tail end of last season with Solskjaer. However... Look, who who knows, um, but yeah, I, I just i don 't think so. I think there was there was a lot going into it. He was obviously a very highly paid manager, uh, so I think he would have seen it out nonetheless. However, I do add the, to that that if we didn 't finish in the Europa League, he would still be demanding more funds for more players, and perhaps he gets sacked sooner. so <laughs> who knows?
0: Well, on to the Europa League final, and probably the highlight of his time at United, especially on paper when you look at a European trophy. But it was textbook Mourinho. He just got it spot on. Like he talked about little things in terms of the um, selection of Mara Fellaini, the way he sort of used Chris Small in sort of an attacking sense in terms of the way that he didn't want him to pass the ball because he felt he just couldn't play against a team like Ajax. And you look back now and you look at that Ajax team and they're full of names. And look, we just did a podcast recently on Donny van der Beek. He was playing in that. Frankie Dion was playing. Matthias Dalit Ziyech, who's now signed for Chelsea, it's a hell of a team, obviously at a younger stage and we went in clear favourites, but it was just a real Mourinho performance, it was the most comfortable European final
1: in history for me. Yeah, United dominated from the outset and that's the tactical nous of Jose, you know you can say what you want about his shortfalls and there are plenty, uh, he has lots of faults however tactically I think he's brilliant. Um. Again, and what you touched on there, how he utilized or didn't utilize Smalling in that Europa League final. Um. Again, very interesting the way he started. Fellaini used a long ball, to, but he thought you know it played into United's hands in the end. And you're right; it was the most comfortable Europa League final he could have hoped for. Well, moving on, and I remember it being so positive then because that whole season was hinging on
0: qualifying for the ch- next season's Champions League. We finally did that on the last day of the season. And for the weeks building up to that, it really became a case of, well, Anton Griezmann is going to sign if we're in the Champions League. And it's come out pretty much since that that deal was done. Um, Atletico Madrid were obviously then hit with a transfer ban, and that sort of um, changed Anton Griezmann's decision. Well, supposedly changed his decision. But um, I remember being so close to signing Griezmann, and the excitement levels were through the roof. But we'll move on to the transfer window for the following season, and obviously Griezmann wasn't a part of that. But we'll just look at the names Obviously we signed Victor Lindelof Who I think were heavily linked with the January before um, But it never got over the line So we signed him from Benfica We also signed Nemanja who Because defensive midfield was obviously a big issue at the time I think obviously uh, Wayne Rooney played a lot in midfield And that didn't quite work And Maria, um sorry, uh, Wayne Rooney, sorry, end up leaving So there definitely was a sign A uh, room in the squad for a central midfield And especially a defensive one there was Eric Dyer was thrown about, and Emmanuel managed I think there was one other player, I forget, any names ring a bell for you. It was either Dyer, Maniche, and someone else. It might have been Fabinho, was that it? Fabinho went to Liverpool?
1: Yeah, yeah, there was big links with Fabinho at the time.
0: I guess but we ended up signing on Maddich, and a lot of people weren't really over the moon with that. It was almost sort of bringing the old boys together with Chelsea. But um, we could discuss Maniche's time at the club um, another, time, another day. He's actually doing quite well now. But um, The uh, the big signing was obviously Romelu Lukaku. It was going to be Alvaro Morata for what seemed like ages and then almost the day before Lukaku was supposed to sign for Chelsea and the day before Morata was supposed to sign for United. um, It was this flip-flop and they switched and Lukaku ended up on United's doorstep and Morata down to Chelsea. Your thoughts on that whole striker saga?
1: Lukaku was the one I wanted for sure. Um, the prospect of Lukaku linking up with Pogba was very exciting. And the way they uh, did the little promo video, Pogba and Lukaku, how good was that? That, that was fantastic. Agent P. Um, look, Maratta's a... a like, at the time, you're right, Like the, the links suggested it was Maratta I think, I think United obviously do have a list of transfers, just like any other club would. There must have been a time in that where they thought, you know, Lukaku won't get done, negotiated with Maratta. Um, I'm certain the player thought he was coming to United and then we saw Agent P had secured the deal for Lukaku. Look, at the time, you'd have to say Lukaku was the favoured one just because he was obviously Premier League proven.
0: Well, you look back at Mourinho's first season at United and it started so positively, but I don't think it started as good as the second season. Um, We obviously got off to a flyer and it was 4-0 FC. Did we win the first two games or first three games 4-0? Two games. First again, and correct me if I'm wrong, that was your, cast your mind back, that was your first United match, your first trip to um, Manchester that year?
1: Yeah, yeah, spot on. Uh, Yeah, I I attended Swansea away, sitting in the away end, um, and I got to witness three of the four goals. Uh, So to say it was surreal for me was an understatement. Like, unbelievable game. I think 4-0 FC doesn't uh, put enough credit on Henrik Mkhitaryan. I think that was a lot of what how, how that all came about was actually himself. He, he drifted centrally from that right-hand side and allowed the likes of Pogba to actually get into the game. He brought other players in, Mkhitaryan. It's a shame it didn't work out for him. Um, but I just want to put credit on his name just to say, you know. And and the other highlight of that period was obviously Martial and Rashford. Uh, Rashford started the first two games, comes off, uh, gets benched for Martial during, and then Martial would come on on score. And then in the third game, uh, Martial got started, got benched, and then Rashford came on on score. So we had a good sort of dynamic in the squad where they were kind of, those two were pushing each other to, you know, higher levels. Well,
0: what you talk about there in terms of Martial and sort of the squad dynamic, etc., one of the big things, and to the cars, okay, that was the first part of the season, we'll fast forward now to the January window where Martial was doing quite well. I think he was on a really good score in maybe four or five games in a row who was scoring goals. And then I remember the transfer saga sort of dragged out for maybe two weeks, but pretty much it was overnight where we signed Alexis Sanchez. Everyone just assumed he was going for City. And then one night we woke up and said Sanchez is going to sign for United. And then by that stage, it, it did probably take two or three weeks. That we all knew it was going to happen. And obviously the excitement of taking Arsenal's best player and Sanchez, who at the time you'd class as a world-class player. Right? We didn't take into consideration the impact it would have. It was just, this is great, we're getting in such a good player. Everyone was full of excitement. What a disaster it was. Where do you want to start with Sanchez? Do you want to start on, was it a Mourinho signing, was it a Woodward signing, what it meant for Martial? Um, I'll let you take the floor.
1: the floor. I think it was a Mourinho signing. If you look at the mold of the player, twenty eight was he twenty eight or twenty nine, whichever, coming into it, uh, proven in the Premier League, again a Jose Mourinho signing because he liked a seasoned professional. Um, Was it the wrong signing? Absolutely. Look at the time. I'm not going to lie. I was excited for the signing. You, you know, who's going to say no to who he had proven? He was a world class player. Um, my issue with it, though, I always had that doubt in the back of my head, being a Manchester United and a Martial FC fan, was, are we going to play Alexis on the right? For me, that's where the concern was. And then... Obviously, we saw uh, Martial got pulled out of the squad, um, which, you know, I, I thought that was a huge criticism of Jose, because you need to encourage good performances. Whether you brought a player in or not, you need to find a way to fit your best players in the team. I think there was a game or two there, he actually moved Martial to the right, and at that point he just lost all form to accommodate Sanchez, and well, you know the rest.
0: Yeah, well, I think that game he played out on the right was the game away at Tottenham where we conceded after, I think it was four or five seconds, and they just launched the ball off the kickoff. And I think It was one of the first games under Sanchez. I think it might have been his first start in the Premier League, maybe. And um, I remember Martial he actually did quite well on the right in that game, but it was a definite sign of Sanchez being the number one. And the start of the Martial-Mourinho relationship, sort of souring, and we could get into the Martial one, but I think we'll touch on sort of the relationship more with Pogba. In Mourinho's final season I think that has a lot more substance to it. But again, we carry on with the negatives, and this is a weird one because look, it was definitely an upset, Man United v Sevilla in the Sevilla in the Champions League, and obviously Sevilla knocked us out. Um, The second leg at Old Trafford, we obviously was a bad one. But just your sort of memory of that Champions League tie, and I remember Scott McTominay played, um, and that was
1: did he play over Pogba in the first leg or in the second leg, or I forget. Oh, I feel like it was the second leg. Um, but look, I could be wrong. Maybe Pogba started. I yeah, actually yeah, can't.
0: Yeah, it might have been. But I remember Scott McTominay, because he was always in yeah. and around the squad, but he actually got a start, I remember, away in Sevilla, and it sort of raised a few eyebrows. It, obviously, that's something we love now. I would love Scott McTominay to play, but at the time, it was a bit, oh, geez, what's he playing him for?
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think Pogba was benched, and McTominay started that second leg. Um, yeah, look, the game was really poor, to be honest. United just... I don't want to say they weren't trying. They were obviously trying, but we just looked so disjointed. Like I think with the Sanchez signing, just the balance of the squad just seemed to go with that. The other thing to consider with Sanchez, and I don't want to get too tactical here, but the, the spaces that Pogba occupies, Sanchez likes to cut into that area. And I think the dynamic between those two players then ruined was ruined, and then that as a whole ruined the, the way the squad was playing. Um, of course, I know we have the City game, uh, which, you know, is obviously stands out from that season. But, yeah, I just, that game was awful, Tom. It just, and obviously Jose's press conference afterward, well, that, that for me.
0: That's what I want to touch on in terms of, not so much the game, but Mourinho's reaction and sort of the reaction to his words. And he really went on the defensive and sort of saying, well, hang on. Okay, Man United's name is one thing, but the players on the pitch are another thing. And if you look at the Sevilla team, he's saying they're better than Man United and that, the better team won. So everyone's just looking at the name Man United should beat a club like Sevilla. And he's saying that's not the case. I had the Sevilla players over the Man United players. And he got a lot of flack from United fans for it. And I was thinking, well, I, I don't like how he went about it, but i probably agree with him.
1: It's hard one to say because you think... Look, player for player, were we worse than Sevilla? Personally, I don't think so. Um, Perhaps it was more balanced on the playing field, but it's just the way United played. Like, this wasn't a vintage performance where you say United played well. We were poor. And that's the criticism I think we all understand And look, again, football is a It's a game of two sides One side being good enough defensively Can perhaps stop you from showing your best qualities But the way we were set up You have to say, especially when we went from 4-0 FC Just the whole dynamic of the squad Leading up to that game The form had started to wane Uh, Lukaku was going through a goal-scoring drought At that time as well So the whole dynamic soured And then when Jose's press conference Whether right or wrong I think that was an element of truth to what he said, but for me, that was the beginning of the end because he started to distance himself from Manchester United and that is something the fans were never going to stand for.
0: Yeah, it, it felt like that after that. Regardless of where you think we were going to finish and what transfers were going to come in, what was the potential for next season, it seemed like he was sort of... As soon as he lost the fans there and he did lose a huge chunk, um, I think everyone sort of subscribed to the notion that it was going to be textbook three year Mourinho. But we'll try and slip in a positive where we can and we'll just touch on it slightly and obviously that man Paul Pogba um, th- uh, 3-2 away at City probably the worst half, that first half I thought, because obviously City went in at 2-0 I'm not, exagger- not exaggerating at all, that should have been 11 or 12-0, Raheem Sterling missed sitter after sitter City, Torres, they could have scored every time they got the ball and we should have gone into that, into that second half in double, double digits down, but obviously turned around and Probably the highlight of poor Pogba's
1: time at United that half. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and he had the blue hair too, linked with uh, City in, in the build up to the game. Uh, yeah, it was clear that the relationship between the two had been fractured at that point. You know, it's interesting, Tom. I'd like to ask you: Do you was there a particular game or was there a particular period where we could say this is where us it soured? It's a hard one because we we just saw Pogba. Obviously, he. Because I remember in the first season, Pogba never got benched. He, every game he started and he played every single minute. And then there was a period where he actually got started to get pulled off. But then I can't pinpoint where it started to sour. But anyway, I digress. Um, well, I, I don't think yeah. this
0: is so much a game. I think it's just what we mentioned. It's in terms of Mourinho's sort of... It, almost, almost just his press conferences and the persona he sort of carried because it often was a case of Mourinho being bigger than Manchester United and I don't think the on pitch stuff mattered too much in terms of a fans opinion it was almost what was happening on a friday morning in the press conference that was almost more important and I think incidents like the Sevilla match I think they played such a big part in sort of Mourinho's end, end, end up being his sort of undoing any sacking from the club I don't think it was so much the on field results I think it was his sort of off field um, sort of well, I don't know what you'd call them. But if we look at another thing, Mourinho sort of dominated the headlines. You look at... He obviously mentioned that finishing second that season in the Premier League goes down as one of... I forget if he said it was, or one of. I forget, but he's one of his greatest achievements. Did you think that was just Mourinho talking himself up, or did you really think, looking back, finishing second with this team is a great achievement?
1: Yeah. Uh, look, it's a hard one. I think... Look, finishing second, obviously the highest finish since Fergie retired, you'd have to say on paper, okay, that looks good, but you look at the distance between City and yeah. us, and for me, I thought it was a bit arrogant to say something like that, um, and also you have to think, like, what do you, what do your comments do for the squad? You know, like, you're trying to... You want to keep these players on side. You want to build trust in these players. You need to face the reality. You might not get all the signings you want at a particular point in time. And I just feel like it's an issue that he publicly slayed... He basically, like, just think, if you're a player in that squad and he says, you know, this is my greatest achievement, it's like, well, does he not think I'm good enough? That's the frustration. And, look, I I don't agree with that statement, Tom. I, I think it was arrogant. And I think if you looked at our team on paper... I don't think it was too far fetched to say we had the second best team uh, in in the league. I thought, it would, but there wasn't much between us and Liverpool in terms of second and third. But at the end of the day, I thought it was a fair result for our squad. So I thought it was a little bit arrogant.
0: Yeah, no, I think it was definitely one out of the Mourinho handbook. But we'll come crashing back down to earth and a final that's kind of often forgotten about. And so we won't touch, we won't sort of talk about it too much. But we obviously lost one 0 at Wembley to Chelsea in the FA Cup final. Um, his old club, Phil Jones, doing what Phil Jones does, and gave away a penalty. And um, I remember that that final then almost it was the least exciting FA Cup final. Even the build up was sort of again it was all surrounded. Jose Mourinho and Lukaku's injury, and there just wasn't that excitement. Just okay, we lost one 0 and Chelsea. they're sort of we have a bit of banter about it, but there's such a sort of hollow club, so it didn't really hurt too much because you, know, you don't really know any Chelsea fans who are going to give you any stick. And um, it was just a flat sort of feeling after that FA Cup final.
1: Yeah, it was. And I hate to say it, but I felt like we were always going to lose. Um, In the build-up to the game, we started to see links with Martial leaving. Uh, He was obviously benched. Uh, We saw the issues with Pogba. We were almost confident he was going to leave. So, yeah, I just... And again, this is the criticism of Jose, isn't it? It's just he creates such a toxic atmosphere that it goes into the fan base. And... I think in, I've never seen a lead-up to a United game in my lifetime where the fa- the mood going in by the fans was so negative.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's my sort of override memory of it. But we'll move on to... Because, again, I don't want to touch on that Chelsea final. Um, bringing back bad memories, and Phil Jones is flashing before my eyes. But we'll <laughs> move on to... Well, these final season, because you have to remember, he did have, well, technically, the start to three seasons, Jose Mourinho. So we'll move on to the 18-19 season, and... It did, It carried on straight away. Um, it was obviously a World Cup season, so Paul Pogba had gone away and we're going to get into the relationship with Paul Pogba in a sec. But um, he obviously didn't give Paul, Paul Pogba any credit um, coming back from the World Cup. He said, "Okay, it's good he won a World Cup, but what's he done here, etc." So that was the start of that. But he was, I think, it was preseason. It was over in America, and um, obviously a lot of being a World Cup year, a lot of our sort of first teamers were away on sort of extended holidays. And the toys were out of the pram straight away. I remember him saying, we had so many young players on tour. And he's, I remember one of the quotes was regarding Sanchez and they questioned him about Sanchez's performance. And Mourinho came out and said, well, do you expect Sanchez to be excited by playing with these players? Like, it's, Why would Sanchez want to play with these type of players? And like, he sort of... I remember Ferguson came out and said a similar type of thing like 20 years ago when they toured America saying it's sort of hard for fans to go and pay top dollar when you're going to be playing a youth team. And Mourinho could have said that same thing, but Mourinho used it as an attack on the younger players and on the board.
1: Yeah. Um, and Look, we said this uh, at, the, at the start of the podcast, didn't we? Once things start to unravel for him, it's like he loses control of the situation. His way of going on the defence is to attack everyone except himself. He doesn't reflect. Uh, and... I thought that was a real opportunity for him to really show the quote-unquote new Jose. What he could have done is built this opportunity and sold it to the young players to say, if you guys step up here, there could be a role for you in my squad this season. Instead, he took it to the media, said, you know, this is what's happening. I don't have the players I want here. It's not an ideal preparation. I also recall him saying, "I've I've given my board five signings. I'm, I'll be lucky to get one of those just all the language coming out and look who knows what he was saying behind closed doors maybe he said to those players look I need to say this because I need to bring transfers in and this is my way of putting pressure on the board but again if you're telling that to or relaying that message to your players again it doesn't send the right message so look in all cases I felt like he was just putting nails into his coffin at this point
0: Yeah, nah, pretty much bang on for me now we'll move on quickly to there's not really much to talk about in the this transfer window he obviously signed Lee Grant, um, Diego Delo, and the big one was obviously Fred. And um, I don't think it's too much of sure, it. Obviously Fred has taken a while to sort of come to grips with life at Old Trafford, but he definitely has. So you'd almost say those signings have been good signings. Um, Delo, couldn't argue about his future, but Lee Grant is what he is sort of thing. But Fred has proved to be sort of a very good player. It just didn't really work for him under Mourinho. It might have done if Mourinho stayed, we don't know but um, we can't really touch on Fred and Mourinho too much because they're only together really for those first four or five months of the season. But I remember the first one of that season, I think it might have been the second or third game, I forget, we lost 3-0, away, or 3-0 at home Sorry to Tottenham. And my first memory of the game was we should have won 3-0. It wasn't a bad performance at all, but you look at a 3-0 loss at home to Spurs and how bad that actually does look on paper.
1: Yeah, I didn't actually think United played all that bad. Um, but look, as you said, three nil is three nil, and he said himself, he's like, you, he goes, "This is the," he goes, "This is one of the best games I've seen us play." But yeah, it just it wasn't working out. Um, obviously, we—I we, should also add that you know, at the start of this season, just to touch on Pogba, he gave him the captaincy. Um, yeah. It almost looked like he was trying to repair that relationship. Um, and then I believe it was after this game, if I'm not wrong. Maybe it was a game after that, um, perhaps a Southampton, if I'm not wrong, where he actually stripped Pogba of the captaincy. But yeah, um, it wasn't a great start to the season for sure.
0: Well, I think that and not so much the result and not so much the performance. As I said, I thought the performance was quite good. But I think this was the end for Mourinho and it was that press conference at the after the Tottenham match where he was sticking the three fingers up and saying, I've won three titles, etc., more than any other manager. You have to respect me. And he really went in on a journalist and sort of the traditional sort of stormed out of the press conference room. And um, for me, that was the end. It never got any better. And um, I always remember that, him walking out of the um, press room, and it, I think it was very symbolic. But we'll move on to sort of the main topic. And obviously, someone who's almost dominated the podcast as much as Jose and obviously Paul Pogba, and I think just basically the virus, that whole sort of saga in terms of Mourinho coming out and calling Pogba a virus and the media obviously running with it. They had that altercation at the training ground where the Skype um, news cameras were there and they picked up an altercation where over, over an Instagram video, which was obviously taken out of context, but Mourinho used it as a way of turning the media against Paul Pogba. Just your views on the whole situation, how it panned out. Was anyone in the right? Was anyone in the wrong? And just your general thoughts on it?
1: I think there's wrong on both sides. Um, You know, it's a hard one. Like, Fergie, every manager falls out with players. And to be fair, in Fergie's defence, and this is where I draw the difference, Fergie never publicly fell out with players until he was proven at Manchester United. You never saw in those initial six or so years where there was reports, oh, he's really falling out with this player. Or, I mean, yes, we saw the, you know, he's lost the dressing room in the lead up to what was Fergie's first FA Cup final, which, you know, if you believe report, saves his job, but there was never a single player who he really lost it with. And when he did lose it with a player, they were out the door pretty quickly. With Pogba, it just went on and on, didn't it? And... Because at at this point, it's almost a full season where there were kind of a little bit of bickering. And I just thought the way it was played out so publicly, I hated it. Like, again, and I hate it. Like, I guess I compare to Fergie because he is the symbol of excellence. That's what a successful tenure when you're a top manager should look like. You never saw these things played out so publicly. We heard of the Beckham shoe situation, but but Fergie didn't come out and speak about it. Mourinho, every single time there was an opportunity to throw some words at Pogba, it came out. And I think calling him a virus, particularly when he's such an influential player in the dressing room, it was always going to turn bad for him.
0: I think, especially in today's media as well, especially using Sky Sports as a tool, as Mourinho really did. You look at it and especially in today's world especially fast forward to the last couple of weeks and sort of black lives matters and it really did turn into because there's so many fans did turn on paul pogba in terms of they believed this virus situation and it did have like like it or not it did have real racial undertones in terms of the media's treatment of paul pogba and i know a lot of people who are very good friends with who just they hate paul pogba i'm just thinking, why do you hate him? There's no evidence. We're just going by what the media is telling us. But if you look at
1: actual his relationship with his peers, everyone loves him. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, he, it's clear he's very close with Lingard, um, Martial, Rashford. The core nucleus of that squad were good friends with Paul Pogba, and at this, cut, at this point, he's a now a World Cup winner. There's no doubt that this player is, one, your best player, two, very influential in what is a young dressing room. So, yeah, I just thought it was, it was suicide by Jose. It really was. Well, the bad one, and we'll,
0: we'll get into the sacking in just a sec, but I remember just your thoughts on that Pogba situation when Mourinho was sacked about five minutes later. Um, <laughs> that tweet or Instagram photo came up saying, caption this, and it was a photo of Paul Pogba. Um, with a
1: big grin on his face.
0: Yeah, look, that that yeah. was bad. There's no hiding from that. Um, a lot of people say it was a marketing thing that was scheduled. Um, I think All, all of us are old enough to call bullshit on that. But before we wrap up the podcast, we'll finish on a bit of a positive. And again, it wasn't a whole performance. It was about a three minute period. But one of Mourinho's highlights for me was away at Juventus. The inter, the sorry, the Juventus fans obviously turned on him with his relationship with Inter Milan, and they were giving him sort of real, sort of personal abuse throughout. Ronaldo scored an unbelievable goal uh, for Juventus. But then the game turned on one matter, scoring a really good free kick. And I think it was... Did Pogba get the goal or was it an own goal? No, like,
1: it was it was an own goal, but it was like sort of Fellaini yeah, got for, it might, in.
0: Actually, yeah, it might have been Fellaini. But um, yeah. that game for me, okay, we don't don't go on to win the Champions League, I accept that. But I think in terms of European moments for us, to go win away at a team like that in
1: Juventus, I think it's a very underrated moment for United It was a big result, and those fans were giving him dog's abuse. It's uh, one of those famous signals, (laughs) Mourinho with the squinted eye and he's cupping his ear. Um, Look, whatever you thought of the guy, I love that he's a character. Um, He's obviously got a lot of belief in himself. He he thinks he's a top manager. Yeah, um, that was a good result. I think that's definitely a highlight for me.
0: Well, I'm, I'm glad that then we can get into what we think of Mourinho. But as a as a sort of fellow human, I am glad he had that moment where he could really stick it up to people who were giving him abuse. But yeah. we'll go into another away ground, which didn't go well at all. I and mean, then sort of right was on the wall um, and filled away a horrible performance at Liverpool. And it was weird. It was just sort of... Everyone knew he needed to be sacked at the time, but you just thought early December, okay, they're going to give him a transfer window. He's got a contract. There was no names linked with the job. Why are they going to sack him? And then 9 o'clock the next Monday morning, Jose Mourinho has left the club. Just cast your mind back to when that happened and your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I remember at the time uh, going onto Facebook or Twitter and writing Christmas has come early. Uh, So those were my thoughts on it. Um, We also should say that United actually gave Jose an extension back in January uh, in the lead-up to this, which... You know, it just seems like madness. Like, I just... I couldn't understand why he had a three-year deal. We're not convinced yet, yet we gave him an extension. I thought it was strange. But nonetheless, um, look, it was definitely the right call. It came at the right time. You could even argue it should have been done earlier. But it was done early enough, and I was kind of relieved because we always had that... The idea of what happened with Van Gaal and Moyes when it's mathematically impossible to make the top four, they thought, no, we're going to salvage the season and bring someone else in, so... Look, you have to say um, credit to the board on that one. I definitely didn't expect it to happen.
0: Yeah, no, agree 100% there. So obviously Mourinho is out of a job and that is where the podcast wraps up. So just look back, we'll go maybe a quick couple of questions, um, highlight of his time at United for
1: you. Um, I want to say Scott McTominay. I think that that's someone that, I'm gonna be honest. I didn't really rate him. Um, I know he did a job when we versus Chelsea at home in that season, um, in the in the second season. That is, uh, that's where I thought, okay, you know what, he can do a very specific job. But you just look at the way Scotts come on and the improvement in his game. You'd have to say that's a that was a good. A good promotion from the youth there Um, a highlight for me is actually the last game of the season in his first season when you saw Rooney come off for Angel Gomez I just thought I know it hasn't really panned out for Angel but it just almost looked like uh, you know the future getting passed on like he's the crown sort of thing so that was not a nice moment for him and I have to say the Europa League final I think that at the time, um, it just felt like United were on the cusp of really starting to achieve greatness again. It didn't pan out, but I think that that was an awesome memory and a, a night that actually stands out in United fans' memory and for United history. Yeah, no, it's a good shout, that Palace match. I forgot about that. But yeah, it did have a sort
0: of, sort of a very non mourinho feel in terms of blood in so many youngsters. And obviously, those you have to apply context to the There was a big European final a few days later, but for me, it would be that Europa League final. Again, it's not the Champions League. We fully accept that. But um, a lot of clubs don't get to European finals, and any European final you get to if you're going to win it. Um, It is a big moment in the club's history. Now, flip that from highlight to the low light, the worst point under Jose Mourinho.
1: Oh, that's a hard one. I'm gonna say the Sevilla game. I just thought yeah. it it was it was rudderless. We had no like we didn't even look like we were in the game. He it, the squad was very disjointed. The way that he obviously managed the Martial Sanchez Pogba situation. So yeah, for me, it was Sevilla. Just when you chuck in his press conference on top, it, it was yeah. That for me, that was where it all started. That's where he stamped his papers.
0: Yeah, no. Um has to be severe for me, looking back. There's obviously a lot of games that were sort of frustrating, but just the feel they'd had at the time, what it meant, sort of the whole situation put together, I think definitely the Sevilla match. But from him, from a personal point of view, you know, obviously the title of this podcast, Jose Mourinho, where did it go wrong? What was his biggest individual mistake, do you think?
1: Oh. If I had to name one thing, I'm actually going to say the signing of Sanchez. Because um, you just look at the way the squad dipped off from that point. We had an informed player in Martial who was on a ruthless goal-scoring run. And when you consider Lukaku had dipped off, it actually kept the dynamic of the squad quite well. Um, then he's obviously pulled Martial out. That then led to a situation with Pogba. Pogba's form dipped off, so you have to say the Sanchez signing, and when you also loop into, you know, the cherry on top, Sanchez is still technically a Manchester United player, which has been a problem for us. So you have to say that uh, that's probably the biggest, the biggest fault of Jose. I think that's. I probably would have said at the time just
0: before you mentioned that and sort of brought it back up. I probably would have mentioned his treatment of Pogba and thought that is just sort of putting a nail in your own coffin. There, don't go after your best player. 'cause he's obviously performing as our best player as well. But um yeah, I think when you look back and the impact Sanchez has since had as well, everything put together, I think it's um yeah, definitely Sanchez is the biggest mistake. Whether that's Mourinho or Woodward, um we'll know when someone releases a book in a few years. But um just to finish the podcast out of ten, his time at United
1: It's a tricky oh, one. Oh jeez. Yeah it is. I'm gonna say uh I'm gonna say a four Oh, you know what, I'll say 4.5 Because he obviously failed But he, there was some earlier success So 4.5 I think is fair
0: Yeah, I think around a round of 5 In terms of, he got trophies got, like, Racked up a few little trophies So I think when we look back in 50 years And we look at those seasons Who knows what position we'll be in as a club And we'll think, jeez, we won a European trophy that season like, We must have been very good So I think on paper I'd give him sort of a 6 Or a, maybe a 6.5 But when you encapsulate the whole package I think, yeah, you might even have to drag it down to a three or a four, unfortunately. i tell you
1: what, Tom, let's look at it like this. Now that we've reviewed Van Gaal and Mourinho, you'd actually say there was more optimism in the way Van Gaal left the club versus yeah, the way easy, Mourinho easy. left the club.
0: Well, I always say, and I have this debate with anyone, I'm saying, OK, take away gigs, take away Solskjaer, post Fergie, who would you have, David Moyes, Lee Van Hal or Jose Mourinho, if you had to have one now, or if you had to stick with one at the time. I think it's definitely a stick with Louis van Gaal, as bad as it was. I think um, I think it would definitely be the easy choice for
1: me. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. With the right signings, I think we would have played some brilliant football. And I think that just about wraps up this week's
0: podcast, episode 91. As football um, edges ever closer, counting the days, as we mentioned at the start of the podcast... So hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. Um, Hopefully we don't have to do Solskjaer's looking back on his time anytime soon. Hopefully he's in the job for many more years to come. But as I said, um, the next episode next Monday, Sydney time, hopefully we'll have a guest, a special guest on. So keep an eye out on Twitter for that. We might get get, you to send some questions in, etc. But um, keep your eyes out for that. Um, Make sure you keep following us on whatever podcast app you listen to us. Uh, Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, etc. We'll try and be as active as we can on there. And um, Barry, have a good weekend, mate. And um, you got anything planned?
1: Uh, Not too much. Uh, Hopefully, we'll improve our pro club's form, grab some food. You know, our pubs are opening here. Um, Thankfully, the the infection numbers are staying low. So, yeah, I'm going to get out and about, I think.
0: Well, it's the last weekend of no football, so take advantage of it. Um, I'll be catching up on some sleep if I were you, but um, that is just me and my experience as an older member of this podcast. So hopefully everyone enjoyed that. Have a good weekend, and we will chat to you next week. Cheers. Cheers.